After all, there is nothing real outside our perception of reality, is there? Pas te dire ce que tu peux faire pour moi. Tu vas voir, c'est pas compliqué. Tu me parles pas. Tu me poses pas de questions. If you wish to avoid prosecution, I would advise that you comply with our language laws. This is the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to the RCMP. That's the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. I'm your host today, Becky Shrimpton, and with me... Oh, guys, we are getting into some of the fabulous Hot Docs at Home Festival films that are going to be going live May 28th. Uh, the good people at the NFB have sent me a few of their fantastic films. I have watched everything they've had. However, due to time constraints, I'm only going to be able to interview a few people for them. But the first up, I am so glad I watched this movie. I'm a better person for having watched this movie. It's called uh-huh. Wintopia. It's by Mira Burt Wintonic. It's beautiful. Mira, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me in for that really lovely introduction. It's really something special. I mean, documentary is, Hot Docs itself is a really important time for me personally. It's the only time I ever get to see my friend Charlotte because it's the only time she makes time to actually see movies in theaters. And uh, she always wants to see like the most devastating, horrifying, like life altering in a terrible way films and like traumatizing for lack of a better word. And then this was one that I was like, oh, I would have made her see this and we would have cried in a good way at this one. <laughs> It would have been so great. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm glad I got the chance to see it. Um, let's talk a little bit about Wintopia and, of course, your dad. So tell us about Wintopia. Yeah, so Wintopia is um, my film that's kind of completing the unfinished film of my dad, Peter Wintonic, and his search for Utopia. So he was a filmmaker who made many films like Manufacturing Consent about Noam Chomsky is probably his most well-known film. And over the years, as he was making other films, he was filming a film about Utopia on the side. And he was searching and traveling to different countries and different societies and looking at how they imagine an ideal world. And he had these hundreds of tapes in the basement from this 15-year process that he'd been traveling around and collected all this material and he always intended to make a film with that footage but just never got around to it and got busy with other projects and stashed these tapes in the basement. So after he died I uh, gathered that material and watched it for the first time and tried to create a portrait of him and of our relationship and of utopia uh, through this footage. You did this of course after your father passed away and this wasn't the first time you'd made something with your father with your father's material. You had a film back in 2009 called Pilgrimage. Working on that beforehand did that give you some insight in how you thought this film should progress? Well I at first I was definitely trying to make his sort of make his utopia film and finish the film that he would have made and it took a while for me to realize that it was impossible for me to make that film that once he died like that film kind of died with him and there was no one else that could have really made it the way he would have made it and also that that wouldn't have been the film wouldn't have been a great film like me trying to make exactly what he would have made I just needed to actually make the film that only I could make which ended up being like a very personal film and more of a story about uh, a daughter trying to connect with her father through this material so but it took a while to get to that point because it it was kind of his dying wish to have a film made about his life and his work and so I was kind of trying to have this utopia film finished so I I kind of felt that burden in a way of like trying to do right by him and, and finish this film for him Um, But it took a while to kind of actually let go of that idea that I could somehow 
complete what he was trying to do and actually try to make it more of my own film. There's this uh, concept I like from uh, Celtic culture called a geese. Are you familiar with this? No, I'm not. It's uh, simultaneously a blessing and a curse. It's it's this <laughs> obligation that you are put onto a quest of some sort that you you need to go through. And uh, if you accomplish it, you get the blessing. But if you don't, it can be the curse. But it's also the same thing happens at the same time. You win and lose no matter whether or not you accomplish, but it's something you have to do. Is that kind of what we're talking about here? Yeah, that actually really resonates. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it did feel like a weight on my shoulders to have this unfinished film. Um, and I, I worked on the film for about five and a half years so it was a long process and it was so intertwined with my grieving process I really started working on the film almost immediately after my dad died Uh, so it was quite an emotionally intense experience to kind of throw myself into the process and which is already quite a challenging creative process just trying to make a feature film so um, but at the same time I, I really did get to know my dad better through the process of making the film I talked to, you know, tons of his friends around the world, filmmakers that he had worked with or mentored over his lifetime. And through those conversations, I really got to know a side of him that I hadn't fully appreciated before while he was alive. And I think having to wrestle with my emotions and my feelings and craft them into a story in the process of making the film, it it did help me um, put to rest a lot of maybe the more complicated feelings I had towards my dad when he was alive. You predominantly work in audio documentary in your day-to-day professional life. And in the documentary, you've chosen to insert the adult version of yourself. There's a lot of footage of yourself as a a small person. Um, But as a grown-up, you're predominantly in this in voiceover instead of being on camera and guiding us through that way. You really let your father be the center of attention, as I'm sure he was very (laughs) often. Um, Was that a choice for comfort or just a choice of how how you felt would serve the narrative best to kind of stay out of the way? I guess a little bit of both. I I did audio interviews with people instead of like with friends of his that I spoke to instead of filming them as well. And I really wanted to stay in the bubble of my dad's utopia footage. So the film is really a found footage project and it's just only using his images that he filmed or clips of his own films and filmography. Um, and I felt like cutting away to me or new footage or interviews like Talking Heads would really burst that kind of bubble and that world that we're immersing in because in a lot of in 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 a lot of ways the film is about the archives or the mementos that someone leaves behind after they die and just how much how present they are in 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 that material so i didn't want to like leave this really precious um, these precious moments where for me, I, I, you know, I felt his presence so strongly behind the camera as he was filming all of this footage and cutting away to new material to me felt like it would just like burst that bubble and take us out of the, the intimacy and that like intense connection of, of having him be alive again in these moments. Talking about being in the moment with this person where they are and, and building this world for us within that. And uh, one of the things so many people said about your father is there was no one more in the moment. There was no one more present than he was. And uh, that made him such a fantastic documentarian because he was always able to listen. He was always able to show us what was actually happening. I'm such a big fan of a lot of his work. To talk about him in this way and to let us be present in the film, film is a way, there's so many people will, they will talk about it as a distraction, but it's a way of getting us in that moment 
in time that we can mm-hmm. engage with whatever happens to be happening and say like 1956, if that's what that film was made, we are now part of that presence. So your creation of this world of all of this found footage, we're there with you when you're like six years old. And to us, that's the reality. That's the presence in that moment. And mm-hmm. he's still here. He's still with us. He's still making things and and being silly and playing. And, and uh, the way you open the film is to show us part of his playful, joyous side. And and he's fooling around with the map and trying mm-hmm. to, like, get it open. I mean, maps, thank God, they don't <laughs> exist anymore. Um, how, how, is that how you wanted to invite us in? Is that the presence you wanted us to first get to know? Yeah, I mean, my dad was such a, a funny character and also a, a complex character. He had such, like, a, a depth to him and a quiet side and, like, a serious side. You know, the films that he made were, were serious, but he always inserted some humor into them as well and really believed in the power of humor to convey you know information and to be more convincing or um to let make people let their guards down as they're trying to absorb heavier information and so I was definitely wanted to capture some of his playful side uh him goofing around with me when I was a kid in our home movies or him just like he kind of was a natural clown character in a lot of ways and a Fellini type character and uh, and I mean, that was just what I found in the footage, too. Like, there's just a natural humor to him and a presence, uh, I think, because he was so present. He was really just engaging with the world and with each moment and able to keep people on their toes in a way. Now, he was making a film about utopia and he was following along. I mean, you open with the concept of Don Quixote tilting at windmills, you know, someone who's fighting battles that don't need to be fought. Um, and there's so many other literary references within this, talking about Camelot, talking about St. Brendan, um, things like that. And of course, he was a documentarian. So pulling from that fictional into reality and trying to make movies about that is such a fascinating concept. Um, do you think that would have played into the the thought process he had of, of the, uh, tr- I guess, the fiction into the reality? Yeah, I think he was a big fan of hybrids and of blending art forms. And he saw cinema as really the collection of all other art forms of music, of poetry, of literature, of everything. And um, but that somehow reality was like the most fascinating and creative of all the art forms. And I th- his, he was really inspired by, yeah, by Don Quixote and St. Brendan. Um, Don Quixote, I think, and the wind, the symbolism of wind as well, the windmills, in almost every tape that he filmed, he was filming windmills. He was kind of obsessed with them. And he would, uh, at the same time, the St. Brendan character, St. Brendan was this Irish monk from this, like, he's actually a real character. It's uh, nonfiction, but, you know, who knows how the, the myth or the legend evolved over time. But he was a, a monk from the 6th century in Ireland who set out in search of paradise on earth, like, actually set sail in a boat looking for a physical paradise this uh, holy island and so that was another um, image or idea that really inspired my dad as just you know someone who wouldn't sit around and wait or like be satisfied with the idea that utopia or paradise or a better life is something that should only be uh, given to us when we die in heaven as this kind of concept in religious faith but that instead we should really fight for it and search for it in our in our living daily lives. Now, how much do you think fiction would inspire us to believe there is better, to give us that hope? Well, I think yeah, either fiction or any art form, documentary as well, can inspire people to think differently, to imagine a better world. I think for Peter, 
utopia wasn't a place. It was really just an act of imagination and how imagining things differently, imagining beyond the status quo was a way to place pictures of possible worlds in our mind. And that once you imagine them, that's like the first step in actually trying to bring some of that imagination into being and striving towards it. What were some of the big surprises for yourself as you went along and made this film? I mean, I was one of the disappointments, I guess, when I first oh, started watching the footage was that I was really hoping there would be a lot more of him on camera. Mm. I thought that he would be turning the camera on himself and giving little video diaries or just talking to the camera. But of course, he, when he was filming it, he thought that he would then eventually edit it and write a voiceover or, you know, who knows, like complete it in other ways. Uh, so I, so he didn't feel the need at the time to be on camera as much or filling in the blanks as he was filming. So that was one sort of surprise and a bit of a disappointment. But yeah, I was like, I mean, I guess I got to know him through his obsess his or I got to, I got to understand the obs- the the boundlessness of his obsessions in a way uh just the fact that every time he would go to these film festivals around the world with different projects he would always make these detours to film something that inspired him or something that felt utopian to him so just that he was so uh determined and like just really persevered and went out of his way to like keep working on these projects when when he yeah just spending hours and hours like working on this thing on the side while he was doing a million other things too it just really gave me a glimpse into just how uh how much of a hard work he worker he really was and how non-stop and how yeah just obsessive he was with working and creating films and i i appreciate it too as being the the limits of what a human being can do um something i think you do beautifully in the film is you really find the balance of uh the man who inspired so many people to make great work and who made great work himself uh and his family paid a little bit of the price for that and as you talked about having to get to know him in certain aspects later on and having that we have such a culture now of like go work faster uh do just do 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 and seeing the the cost of being able to work on that level and to inspire so many other people is just such an important reminder to us all to appreciate everything of what we have to find that balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the film is about examining that balance and trying to see how he could have reconciled things a bit differently or whether that would have been too much of a sacrifice. Um, in this, In the sense, like, I started making the film feeling a bit of resentment for how little he had time he had spent at home when I was growing up because he was always away, always making films, always mentoring other young filmmakers. But at the same time, I through the process, I kind of learned to appreciate just how valuable that work was that he was doing. And so if he had spent more time at home, it would have been sacrificing, you know, this greater work that he was trying to accomplish. So, you know, it's a it's a tough thing to balance and figure out what the right what the right thing to do is, you know. <laughs> Uh, I think when he died, he was able to have such a a peaceful death in a way. He was just 60, um, but he faced his death really bravely and never panicked or had no fear surrounding it. And I think it was because in his mind, he really felt like he had lived every day to his fullest ability in terms of trying to make the world better for other people and trying to make films that would inspire people to look around them at at the people whose lives are maybe harder and who are struggling and trying to figure out what we can do about it. 
And of course, he leaves you behind as well, who's continuing doing the work and you make your own form of documentaries and you yourself are trying to make the world a better place. That's still a huge contribution to the world, making good people. I guess. Yeah. I don't know if I'm making the world that much better but (laughs) but it's happening it's not going backwards you're doing all right (laughs) um and 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 speaking to that i mean uh hot dogs would would not have been the world premiere you were fortunate to be able to screen a few things before everything shut down unfortunately and one of the places the film screamed at was at the international documentary film festival amsterdam the idfa which your father had had a huge connection to uh what was it like to present there what was the the feeling Yeah, it was really special. I mean, my dad lived in Amsterdam for maybe three or four months a year, every year preparing for for that festival and really working as like the right hand man to Ali Dirks, who had founded the festival and was the head of the festival for many years. And uh, but I had never been there with him during the festival while he was alive. Um, But it really felt like it was like his second family, that whole crew in that festival. And uh, actually, he was in Amsterdam preparing for the festival when he first found out he was sick right before he came home. And so, yeah, it was very emotional to be there to share the film with all of his friends and these people who I had never met, um, but who knew a whole other side of him. So it was really lots of tears in the audience and people kind of getting to spend more time, spend, spend 90 minutes with him again after after losing him. That uh, that must have been something really special. I mean, the the most we hope when we put out a piece of art is that it moves people either to to tears or laughter, possibly rage. And <laughs> uh, and it seems like you've accomplished this with people being able to see the film uh, through the Hot Docs at Home Festival, uh, through the Hot Docs website. What do you hope people take away if they're watching this at home? Well, I think it's it's a very personal film for me. Um, and it's very personal for people who knew Peter who watch it. But I think I tried to make the film in such a way where there's like a lot of breathing room, there's a lot of silence in the film, uh, which I'm really hoping is is the opportunity for people to have their own personal reflections, depending on what comes up for them while watching it and what resonates with them. So I'm hoping that um, people kind of sit with it, hopefully turn off their cell phones as if they were in a real movie <laughs> theater, um, and just allow themselves to to feel whatever the film brings up for them. And I'm going to ask you two questions, Mira, that I ask all of my guests just as we're mm-hmm. wrapping up. The first one is, what do you think Canada needs more of in order to support its artists? Money? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, yeah, it's a good question. I think we, the documentary film community, from what I've seen anyway in Canada, is quite, um, like, I think filmmakers here are quite good at supporting themselves and being, supporting each other. Um, At least my dad was really involved in kind of creating that community or nurturing that community and trying to trying to get beyond the competition side and more into the collaboration side. And he told the story once of how he was at a at a film festival and one of his films was nominated for the for a prize. And he went around to all the filmmakers who were also nominated for that same prize uh, and asked, hey, when whoever wins this, let's just share the money. Let's not uh, compete and fight for this money. We've all made great films. And I think there was only maybe one other filmmaker that agreed. And the rest said, no, no, like, 
they didn't want to be involved and uh, my dad ended up winning the prize and so he split it with uh, the one person that had agreed but so I think yeah it's about finding ways to collaborate and not pit artists against each other competing for funding. And then my second question is do you have a Canadian film be it documentary or fiction that you would like to recommend to our listening audience is something you love? Well, I recently loved uh, Young Chang's uh, This Is Not a Movie, which is a really beautiful and powerful film about Robert Fisk, the journalist, um, that I think is also playing. Is it also at Hot Dogs Online? I'd have to check. Yes, it certainly is. And it's uh, <laughs> it's available to watch. It's also through the NFB. Yes. Uh, it is available to watch right now, wherever you want to see streaming. I also really loved um, L.A. Tea Time. That's a really funny one by a local Montreal filmmaker. It's about her search for... To, for a meeting with Miranda July. It's kind of like a road trip movie, really unique and strange kind of quirky film, but I loved it. Oh, that's so lovely. I haven't seen that one yet. I got to check that out. I just pulled it up. I'm like, oh, this looks so great. I think so it's also, it was supposed to also play at Hot Duck, so hopefully it's also available online at some point. Oh, that's so cool. Thank you so much. Okay. <laughs> this is this is actually why I do the show, just for my own yes. you know, pers- <laughs> This is my own personal letterbox, is what this is, Mira. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing your film. Thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, I can't wait to see what happens next. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. If you like what we're doing, please remember to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcatcher. It helps people find our podcast and Canadian media they love. Come chat with us at RCM Pod on Facebook or on Twitter at RCM Pod. Our theme song is by Craig Stewart and our show art is by Paul Stachniak. Join us next week for another great film from the wilds of Canadian cinema.